Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another episode of Everyone is Hot, the podcast that talks about your favorite stealth sex symbols and the film that turned you on to them. I'm Michael Stevens. And I'm Shelley Brooks. And this episode, we're doing things a little bit differently. This is another mini, and today we are focused on uh, fight scenes. Is that correct? That that is is our angle? Correct. Yeah, we've done a couple like this in the past. We've done our favorite... Uh, dance scenes in non-musical films. Uh, we've done our favorite soundtracks, and you know we've had fighting on the brain. Not because we've been fighting, but uh, no, not at all. <laughs> it came up, I think, uh, initially because of Michelle Yeoh winning the yes. Oscar. Congratulations! Uh, yes, congratulations, Michelle. I know you listen. <laughs> I know she listens. I know she's a big she fan. Must. Friend of <laughs> she the doesn't pod. have other things going on right now. No. Um, <laughs> But yeah, so we had been talking about Michelle Yeoh. We'd been, uh, you know, I think everyone's been, everyone at least who has the the Criterion channel like we do, has been revisiting some of her her older films and admiring her her action and fighting prowess. Yes, uh, yeah. um, absolutely. I uh, am not super familiar with some of her earlier stuff. I'm more familiar with, uh, obviously, the new things and a lot of her uh, TV work as well. But we both recently watched uh, Yes, Madam, which yes, did. I had been wanting to see for a while. I'm glad I saw it. Um, definite riveting third act. Fight mm-hmm. scenes are incredible. The aesthetics, the costumes, everything you would love about a 1980s propaganda movie. Um, <laughs> cannot wait to talk about that when we talk about that. Yes, we will um, get into more detail soon. But uh, yeah, needless to say, we were definitely very impressed by the action sequences i was uh, yeah interested like i've dipped my toe a little bit into hong kong action but i'm not an aficionado by any means so it definitely made me really curious to learn more especially seeing all the sort of like connections in this movie like that uh sweet hark plays like one yeah. of the 
roles in it. And, you know, he's obviously gone on to be like a major action director. So I was like more familiar with him as a director. And Sammo Hung was the producer. And he, you know, also famously has produced a lot of action classics. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a fun, fun discussion when we get into this later. No, absolutely. Um, so I am actually not familiar. I guess I'm not super knowledgeable. I am familiar with the the Hong Kong kind of action movie scene. Um, I'm familiar with it because while I don't know like anybody really, um, <laughs> I've seen so many of these movies over the shoulders of like my dad or my <laughs> uncle, my uncle Vian, who would always have this shit on. And I was watching Yes, Madam with uh, Jasmine. She was like, oh, my God, this is exact. This is like my dad's favorite kind of movie. And for new listeners, Michael's partner, Jasmine. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, it took me back mentally through like all of the fight movies that I had seen. Um, and so it it got me kind of thinking about this episode and like what makes a good uh, fight scene. And so. Mm-hmm. Uh, before I start running my mouth, Shelly, um, very curious. And we have a tight we have a tight recording session today. So yes. um, <laughs> we're busy people. With this is truly going to be our first mini. So um, yeah, our but, first truly mini because we've said uh, we've called things mini mini sods in the past. And, and they've, they've been always maxi. ended up being like over an hour. <laughs> yeah, they're maxi. Um, but Shelly, I'm really curious to know uh, what makes a good fight scene in your opinion. Ooh, see, I've been thinking about this as we're putting together our top three, which we will be sharing shortly. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it's so dependent, like, contextually on the film. And, you know, we've discussed a little bit about, you know, what kind of scenes we're going to be discussing in depth as our favorites. And, you know, we're not calling these best. We're calling these our favorites because I don't think that either of us would uh, claim to be, you know, experts on this. But... Um, yeah, and the and the Rocky movies are the best. Yes, we are picking we the best. They're the best fight scenes. They do, <laughs> but we can't. T- I can't talk about any of those in this episode because that's we're saving Rocky. Rocky's <sighs> we're saving Rocky. Rocky's our our yes. white whale. <laughs> yeah, that, that we will that is be our, <laughs> our white whale doing in the future. It is definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I a lot of the uh, scenes that I ended up choosing. Uh, are I think great fight scenes because they they forward the plot they reveal a lot about character they're kind of scrappy and realistic but as I was watching yes madam earlier this week I realized that you know even though I was a bit of like a, a snob about uh it, it, which will surprise no one I was a bit of a snob you were a snob? Major. <laughs> I know can what? you believe <laughs> and I still am unfortunately <laughs> Um, but I, I kind of like rejected action movies. I was like, oh, you know, this is whatever mainstream slop, you know, when I was a bit younger. And I've, I've really come to <laughs> embrace them in the last few years. And I think that it's because like I love musicals and I think right. that a really good action movie and a really good fight scene like hits in the same way that like a great like musical number in a musical hits and like in, I think oof. they operate in the same way where I you agree know, the plot may suck the acting might not be that great but when you just see people with like this amazing physical ability do these things you could never possibly do yes. I mean that's incredible yes it's about I wrote this down in one of the notes for one of the, my movies and we got to just jump into it um mm-hmm. I love a little bit of drama club in my yes. fight scenes. <laughs> yes. um, I like people hitting their marks. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, 
you want it to tell a story, you want it to communicate character. Um, I especially like it when it's personal. Mm -hmm. Um, I prefer single take or as few cuts as possible. Um, But if we are going to cut, then I like a lot of style. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Mm -hmm. a lot of catch up on this bullshit you're going to make me because um, otherwise with why are you Ugh. cutting except yeah. to cover up the lack of ability of your performers I mean it's like you know I get so to go back to musicals yes the, you know the Rob Marshall school of uh you know musical filmmaking is like so many cuts like you don't get like the long takes where you can actually see people moving in space in the way that you can in like a Busby Berkeley musical or you know a Fosse musical to go much later yes. and I, yeah I feel the same about like fight scenes it's like I want to see these people fucking grapple i want to see like how their bodies move <laughs> so i have no uh jackie chan uh fight scenes in my top five because i feel like jackie chan is like wait top five uh, or top three? Uh-oh. <laughs> oh i wrote i wrote a top five we can focus on the top I did three, a top three. <laughs> we can do a top three that'll make it really fucking hard for me oh um, no i do have uh, some honorable mentions if we if i need to pat it out i've got a little fuck. list of honorable okay mentions. Let's give me, give me your, give me, let's go one for one and then we'll okay. get to the honorable mention. So okay. Jelly, what is your number one? Oh. Or wait, or number, let's start with, let's go from five to one. Let's count okay. backwards. All right. Okay. So my top three, I watched more closely um, and I've got some notes on those, but I'm going to, okay. For my honorable mention list, I'm going to, I'm going to plug in a number five and this is really hard because they're all. They're all so good. Oh, this shit. is fucking so hard. I, I there's know. one that I. All right, Shelly, we just have to start talking about it. We just okay. have to go. We got to go. Okay. We got number... 10 more minutes left. <laughs> 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 number five for me. Okay. I'm going to choose from my honorable mention list for number five. I'm going to do uh, The World's End, the 2013 oh. Edgar Wright movie. Oh, my God. I love that movie. And I did not include it in my five. And I thought about putting it in my five because, uh, yes. The uh, there's like a kinetic vibe, specifically like mm-hmm. Nick Frost is like oh, so incredible in his Why this fucking town. <laughs> and I I love a fight scene like this where it's not like traditional fight performers who mm-hmm. they just got to learn their marks. It's what we see, uh, probably what we're used to, and like a lot of the fucking Marvel movies that come out. It's just like mm-hmm. none of these people are stunt people. Right. Okay? Right. But they do have to learn the fucking choreography. Mm-hmm. They got to learn the dance. Uh, yeah. Drama club, listen, baby. I can, I can be an Edgar Wright hater. I will cop to that. Um, what? But I, but I I mean, this the trilogy, uh, the like the Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, yes. World's End trilogy. I do love them so much. And, they're fun. And I, they're really fun. And I think that like, I love this film overall. I think that they're, and again, going back to musicals, I think in so many ways that like, he stages a lot of the sequences in this movie almost like a musical. I mean, there's that fabulous sequence where um, it's got the on the soundtrack the the Doors cover of Alabama Song uh, oh, yeah, as yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. stomping down the street. And and also, I mean, this is going to tie into one of my top three. Um, but I love a comedic fight scene. There is a moment in the big fight scene in the pub where Simon Pegg is like he takes a swig of beer punches one of the like body snatchers yeah. and is like he still has the beer in his mouth and then he gets clocked in the face and he s- 
his head like flips up and he spits the beer straight into the air. And it, it truly like I was rewatching it just before this and it it made me like laugh, laugh out loud, L- literally lol. <laughs> oh, God. Yes. A funny fucking fight scene. It's so oh, my that this is I'm glad you mentioned this one because this one uh, we have different numbers. I'm going to go through all of my five. Um, <laughs> I, I got to. Um, but well, yeah. So yeah. what's your, what's your number five? Let's let's go back and forth. We'll do fives, fours, threes. Okay, so my fi- my five is probably gonna have to be uh, Kill Bill Volume One. Uh, Love it. It's a scene where the bride is going into. I think her name's Vernita. Um, she played mm-hmm. by Vivica A. Fox. And she's getting her revenge because they fucking killed her many years ago and she's actually alive. And now she's like, she's getting her revenge. So she's getting this revenge on someone she hasn't seen in like 10 years. And now she's a mom and Uma Thurman just breaks into her house and they have this uh, fight scene in a home, in a, in a Mm -hmm. house where this assassin is now grown older and she's more comfortable. Um, And it's very campy. Um, there's a part at the end where the fight is interrupted by Vivica, Vivica A. Fox's daughter getting back home. Yes. Oh, and it's so good. <laughs> I love what I love that kind of fight scene where it mm-hmm. is a little goofy. Like I, 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 he's not featured in any of my, uh, top five, uh, fight scenes because, uh, I feel like it's unfair, but like Jackie Chan does this in a lot of his movies mm. where like, He's fighting, but he's not he's not really fighting. Um, there's like he's still communicating a lot of uh, like character. Like He's not trying to kill motherfuckers. He's like yeah. doing a, a goofy little dance. And, and that, that moment of interruption is going to tie into to my number one, because that yes. is really the what makes what makes the scene for me for my number one, which, you know, we'll, we'll get to later. But I, I do like that you like clocked that moment with the daughter because. Oh, so it's. Good. It's so funny because it it like honors the reality that it sets up. Mm-hmm. Like this assassin is a mom now. And yeah. so let's just, she's doing two things in the scene. And the fact that the bride also stops, like she, this woman ruined her fucking life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also stops because they're both like, we can't fight in front of kids. Right. It's, it's very, it's very funny. Um, yeah. And, you know, say what you want about Kill Bill Volume 1. I, you know, it's been a while since I've watched it in full. Mm. But um, yeah, that scene is kind of where I do fucking. It's pretty fucking love. great. I, I mean, fucking, as much as I rack yeah. on Tarantino, sometimes I love like, Quentin Tarantino. He fucking loves movies. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, I, I it did not end up in my my top five, but uh, one of my honorable mentions is uh, the scene with Lucy Liu, the fight scene. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yeah, she gets the top of her head chopped off. You see that brain exposed. <laughs> And it is fucking goofy. It is um, goofy as hell. It's so good. God. Okay. So this was in your honorable mentions. It was. And I will say, like, again, I'm not always like a Tarantino defender, but the man knows how to do a fucking fight scene. Because, like, I was not a big fan of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But, I mean, there's no, you know, you can't deny that the staging of that end, like, blowout is pretty fucking great. It's marvelous. It's it's yeah. very, it, he knows what he's doing. And, mm. uh, gosh, it's going to be sad to see him go uh, when he uh, oh, retires. he's not fucking retiring. You, he's not, you no, don't think? No fucking way. No. He said he's got, that this next one is his last one. 
all these oh my god every artist says that they're always like i'm it's like fucking peter greenaway who's like i'm gonna kill myself when i turn 80 it's like motherfucker you're like 81 now you're still alive like yeah yeah it's like uh, (laughs) they all talk big motherfucker (laughs) um gosh okay so that was basically your four um okay damn i okay um we're working our way up uh my four is the final fight scene from the one have you seen the one i have not seen the one what is this 2001 jet lee um it's the first movie to engage with the multiverse in like a fun way um maybe a potential fun pairing would be the one and everything everywhere all at once none of this fucking comic book movie multiverse shit um (laughs) but this one really so the whole premise is uh so we're focused on Jet Li, who is a good cop. You'll see this a lot in these mm. movies. Yep. He is a he's a cop. Um, I think it's in L.A. and he's a real good guy. And mm. he's got a wife, and his life is great. And he's been getting like way stronger for some reason. <laughs> then there's another Jet Li who's been hopping through the multiverse, killing mm. his duplicates in order to get their power and strength. And oh, so shit. he's just been getting stronger and killing himself throughout the multiverse. <laughs> And then he gets to the final uh, duplicate, the good Jet Li. So now oh. uh, it's good Jet Li versus bad Jet Li. And they both have different fighting styles. Um, like good Jet Li does like big, like kind of circular movements in- with okay. his fighting. And bad Jet Li does like very angular shit. And he's very <laughs> close. And he has these one liners. He's like the Terminator. Yeah. And uh, in the final scene, they're fighting in like some generic warehouse, which I love a generic warehouse. Like, what do they make in there? Give me some of that, like, T2, (laughs) like, warehouse fight scenes. Ooh. Oh, God. Uh, I I would love more scenes that have people... people in in these movies just be like what are they what do they actually do here <laughs> yeah i love when it's like there's industry here and it's like who knows what industry <laughs> no one can tell but they're doing you know mechanical things <laughs> mechanical things are happening things are getting caught on fire and um oh god it's just uh i like what the scene represents which is for me as an adult watching this movie like <laughs> when i was a kid it was just a dumb it was just a fight scene yeah. Where Jet Li fights himself. But now I'm like, this is what I'd be going through every day. Uh, <laughs> where it's like my worst self, my worst impulses versus my good impulses. And there's like a there's a part in the scene where he's like about to lay the final blow upon his like evil counterpart. Mm. And he's like, he's like, nah, I'm not gonna do it. And the movie ends with evil Jet Li being sent to like a prison dimension. Where he just fights on top of a pyramid until the end of time. God. It's stupid. I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. And there's I like. I do love an action oof. movie that doesn't feel like it has to like adhere to reality in any no. way. Like, I mean, listen, I fucking love face off. I love the prison that no prison has ever looked like that, where they've got fucking like magnet boots. <laughs> like, Ridiculous. It's so good. Ugh. It should be silly. (laughs) It should be very silly. And this one is like pure early 2000s excess, complete with like new metal music. Uh, It's (laughs) I don't like a lot of those. Those are like the the movie equivalent of like going to Wendy's at like 12 (laughs) o'clock. I love that shit. That's what you need. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I try not to do it too much, but like it's good when the stars align. 
Oh, yeah. Um, now we're getting into the top three. Wait, I haven't done my four. Wait. Okay. Yes. Yes. What's, what is your four? What is your four? Your official four? Okay. I'm my looking bad. at my my honorables. I'm having a really hard time narrowing it down. Yeah. But I think I'm going to have to go with the, and listeners, we're going to be talking about this more soon, but the sword fight between Zhang Ziyi and Michelle Yeoh in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oof. The 2000 film that oh. took America by storm. <laughs> yeah. I, Americans oof. read subtitles. Can you believe it? <laughs> I, yeah, that movie really paved the way uh, for. <laughs> well, it's so I'll, funny because yeah. I mean, it's like, in the, you know, I, one of my honorable mentions, Enter the Dragon, because, you know, we can't talk about fight scenes and not talk you about. You put Enter the Dragon. You know what? You're right. I didn't put Enter is, the Dragon. In- this isn't best. It's yeah. favorite. So, uh, yeah. you know. It's good. I, and it's got smalls and talls as well. So. It's got smalls and talls. Yeah. But it is so funny that, like, I mean, you know, you had, like, the Bruce Lee era where, like, a lot of Americans were seeing these, you know, foreign films and loving them. And they were super popular. And then you had this kind of, like, resurgence around 2000 with Crouching Tiger. And yeah, I mean, it's it's funny, the sort of like regression almost in some ways of like, well, not in some ways. I, yeah, I'm not going to I'm qualify it. There is a regression in like American movie going culture that like people, you know, it's like the the Oscar speech uh, for Parasite or it's like, you know, Americans just have to get over that like one inch barrier of of the subtitles. Yeah, and- just fucking get over it. Like, yeah, and it's it's really, you know, depressing a lot of times how you see the, you know, major theater chains and how foreign films are essentially boxed out. And so we don't get these sort of like watershed moments of having like a foreign film like breakthrough in the way that like Crouching Tiger did. I mean, which we, is, yeah. I see a lot of like theaters, especially in like the suburbs and stuff where, uh, you know, a lot of like you know, Hindi and Telugu, uh, you know, films play there. And so, I mean, there is an audience for it, but I mean, it ends up being mostly like, you know, people who speak that language going to the showings and not, not people going to see like a, a film that, you know, they have to read some subtitles for. Yeah. I am. That's the one. That's something I miss about uh, going to the library and borrowing movies. Cause like the shit at the, at least at the library that I worked at, um, we had the shit organized in alphabetical order. So mm-hmm. like, it's like, all right, every once in a while you'd find like an international movie and mm-hmm. you just throw that shit in there. Cause it's like, Oh, this guy's wearing a fucking mask. Okay. Right. What's this about? Um, and they're doing like really interesting, like crazy fucking shit. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I remember when the matrix came out and people were losing their fucking minds over that. <laughs> and it's just like, did you just not? see like any of the fucking hong kong like movies they were making in like in the right. late 90s in hong kong like what the fuck um like all the shit they're doing in this is the shit they're doing over there like right yeah i mean it's so funny it's like you know in parasite was like kind of framed as like being like an art film or something and it's like no it's like a very accessible mainstream yeah. it's movie, like a main but, yeah <laughs> yeah but you know americans like are so unused to uh watching foreign films that it immediately gets like slotted in with art films and it's like no this is just like a very well-made mainstream yeah. movie <laughs> it's just a movie yeah but anyway, uh, Crouching Tiger, that'll be my number four. I love the, four. the wire work in that movie, like the like graceful way that they like just fly through the air in that film. I remember watching it as a teenager and just like losing my mind. And also having 
two incredibly beautiful women uh, <laughs> like kick each other's asses is yeah. uh, very gratifying to watch. Uh, for a budding bisexual, it was uh, a big deal for me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's one I'll definitely have to watch for sure. All right. Crouching Tiger. Michael, what is your number three? My number three is Atomic Blonde. Um, I still have not seen this. There is, it's directed by, I think his name is David Leach. He's a, he's a John Wick guy. Oh, and, okay. Uh, Atomic Blonde came out a little bit after that. Um, I want to say 2018. Um, Charlize Theron is the lead. Mm-hmm. She plays an M16 or MI6. MI6. Oh my God. <laughs> M16. Wait, is she British she plays in it? A gun. Uh, <laughs> no, she, uh, she's British. She is. Well, Ooh. she's many things. She's Ooh. a double agent and Ooh. potentially a triple agent. Um, but uh, yes, she plays Agent Lorraine, which is not what she was called during the movie. Her name is Lorraine. Um, I, I don't think anyone calls her Agent Lorraine, but I do. Um, I will say Lorraine doesn't really sound the most threatening. <laughs> I kind of like agent it a lot. Lorraine. <laughs> There's an Agent Lorraine um, somewhere out there. There have been Agent Lorraines. Um, yes. We are Agent Lorraine. <laughs> Um, but yes, it takes place around the time of the collapse of the Berlin Wall and Agent Lorraine has to extract, um, a Stasi defector, uh, played by, his name is, he's codenamed Spyglass. He's played by Eddie Marson, who is, you know, a little, little white chocolate chip of a man. Yeah, weird little Um, guy. He's great. (laughs) And she's got to extract him. She's got to save him. And she's like, I I got you. You know, I'm going to get you out of this hotel or wherever the fuck they are. And that's when there are these henchmen. And she's got to get this little man out alive. Um, And then it's just 10 minutes. I love this fight scene so much uh, because one, She's getting punched. She's getting her ass beat. She's oh gasping. Like, and these guys are gasping. They're choking. It's very, very personal. And you see the performers get exhausted. Mm. Um, and this is like my ideal kind of fight scene where there's just there's no cuts. Yeah. Uh, it's a single take. The camera is following the action um you know, and so the camera person has to be the uh the director of cinematography has to get like very creative with how mm. uh the camera is moving um like the shit has to be precise in these uh in these kinds of scenes and um one of my honorable mentions is old boy because i have not Ooh. seen it and i know oh. there's like <laughs> yeah I have to. I have you can't to. There's a movie you haven't seen. It's. I can. It's an honorable mention. No, there, at no point in the paperwork does it say I have to have seen it. It is. Honorably I honor mentioned. this movie that I have. I never honor this movie watched. by mentioning it. Old oh boy, I know they do some cool single take stuff in that. Yeah. Um, Are we talking about the original or the the Spike? The original, Lee? not the Spike Lee. <laughs> um, but. Um, yeah, I just I love a single take fight scene. Um and I I love seeing uh at the end when where the fighters are just fucking exhausted and they're like slapping each other in the face and mm-hmm. their punches aren't quite as strong yeah, as they were yeah, 10 yeah. minutes ago. Um that's just very fun because fighting is stupid. 
Fighting is the dumbest is, thing that we do as humans. It's stupid. Um, it's painful to the person getting hit and the person hitting. You can break your own hand punching someone in the face. Uh, it's exhausting. Yes. It's bad. I think, I think there's a fight scene like this in, um, oh, God. There's like a home invasion fight scene in that Joaquin Phoenix movie, um, Lynn Ramsey. Oh, um, uh, You Were Never Really Here? Yes, You Were Never Really yeah. Here. These titles sometimes fuck with me. Um, <laughs> yeah. You weren't really there. It is really an there. extremely long title. You weren't really here. Uh, uh, I think you should leave. Like I did have to like <laughs> pause for a second before I said The World's End because I wanted to say The End of the World, which also it is very funny that I think the most represented actor on our list is going to be Eddie Marsan, yeah, because he is in both Atomic Blonde and The World's End. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so He's you know in that action action hero Eddie Marsan. We He's our him. action MVP of this episode, sponsored by <laughs> Eddie Marsan. Yeah, we should do. We should. He should get an episode. He is good. He's. Uh, don't follow his Twitter because it uh, will depress you. But, Maybe not. Okay, yeah. um, but he's a great actor. So, but yeah, Atomic Blonde. Uh, like that's it. my three. Shelley, okay. what is your three? Okay, so my number three. So now we're getting into the ones that I actually like took notes for. Oh, um, God. <laughs> so my number three is um, Battling Butler. Um, it is a 1926 film starring and directed by Buster Keaton. Okay. My my guy. I love him so much. Um, it is so fucking funny. It is. So the sort of like plot of the film is that um, Buster Keaton, uh, an, an actor and director who is like, I think very aware of his physicality and how he read on screen. Like right. I, he's someone that I think uh, really, <laughs> really beautifully took advantage of the fact that he was like a very pretty man. Yeah. <laughs> so um, he, he plays this sort of like milk toast, uh, little rich boy. Who's like a little uh, sissy to, <laughs> to use probably an outdated uh, word, but, <laughs> oh, yeah. so, but he falls in love with, um, it's kind of like rough and tumble working class girl. And so it, it, he like lies and says that he's, or I think maybe his like dad lies and says that he's this like famous boxer. Um, and then the boxer finds out and is like, this little pussy is pretending to be me. Um, and so they, uh, they have a fight and the, the movie ends with like, it, you know, no spoilers here. Cause it came out in 1926. If, the movie, yeah. <laughs> the movie Wait, ends don't tell with, me. Them, <laughs> with them having like a, a, a private brawl because he, he sees his beloved, like uh, watching them. And then he like becomes this like crazed guy who like beats the shit out of the real boxer. But prior to that, there's like a boxing match, like in the boxing ring that is, just incredible it's like so beautifully choreographed like even him just like getting into the ring as he tries to like step over the ropes mm. he like flips through the ropes lands on his face then like flips back so he's like in a headlock by two ropes and then like his trainer and manager are trying to get him out and he he does this little like delicate sit on the ropes as he's like waiting for them to figure it out then flips back over mm. <laughs> like onto his face and yeah and just the entire time that they're fighting he like he he really moves like like a, a ballerina almost it's like so it's so fabulous and he like it communicates so much about character in the way that it's choreographed because the the actual boxer you know is like fighting this like pretty brutal and rough way and he's just kind of like floating around the ring there's a moment where like the manager gets between them to like break up the fight and he does this like almost like a cat pawing yeah. at someone 
he like takes his like boxing glove and like bops the guy on the head and then hides behind the trainer and then he sticks his leg out and like gives him a little like kick on the tush and then pulls it back and hides behind this big guy and like buster keaton was a small man i mean he i think he was like five four maybe um and so and like the guy that he's fighting against is like around his size and then he's got this enormous trainer who's like a foot taller than him that he's constantly like hiding behind and like ducking behind so we have some small and tall here we get some major smalls and talls and very good it's fucking hilarious. It's so funny, but also just like really kind of beautiful to behold, like because it does look like a, a dance almost. I am. Uh, you sold me on this. Uh, I will watch this shortly. I oof. God. It's good. It's God. not my favorite Keaton yeah. movie, but it is the one where he looks the hottest. He's yeah. so pretty. It's insane. His hair is like flopping around. You see his cut little bod. Like he's a tiny man, but he is fit and he's wearing like tank tops. He's got a shirt off wearing little shorts. Ooh. I guess. He looks good. Yeah. Oh, okay. I have to do a deep dive on this fellow. Um, oh. I mean, we should do, I, we should get uh, maybe a Caroline Gollum back and do a, a Keaton episode, though he might be too uh, like over the top pretty <laughs> to really qualify for the show, but. Oh my god, he was a, a beautiful yeah, little man. Yeah, he's got he's got a real uh I don't I don't I don't know. Let me know if I'm incorrect. I'm I'm going to be vulnerable and okay. potentially incorrect. He has got like a little bit of a Jeremy Allen White vibe. Yeah. I can see that. that. Is yeah. that, you know, like if they yeah. were doing a Netflix uh biopic about him, mm. would Jeremy Allen White be the kind of be the person that they would cast? Honestly, not pretty enough. They're both Whoa. they're both fit little men, but Buster had such a pretty little face, like almost like a feminine pretty face. Like okay. he was he was a, a beautiful man. Oh. Until his life was like ruined by the movie studios and uh he became an aging alcoholic. <laughs> well, let me just toss that pitch straight into the trash. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, I'm my so man. Sorry, Jeremy. I find you very hot. He also listens, he and Michelle Yeoh get together to listen to episodes of yeah they week. have listening parties uh-huh <laughs> we're really gaining some traction um it's really amazing you it's know? really it really is amazing i can't wait for um our next met gala invitations to, <laughs> to come in i think we should go this year also yeah unfortunately we've been so busy every year previously but you it's know we, we should make the time this year because yeah. yeah, right. anna just will not stop calling us it's oh, like God. anna listen we love you but we're busy yeah i also just know so many people protesting outside and uh, yeah, I don't feel like dealing with that awkwardness, you know. Yeah, because it's like as rich as we are, we are friends of the working class. So. We are friends of the working class. Yeah, you um, know, <laughs> <laughs> we love our luxury, sure, but you know, we we do feel sorry for the little people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what's our next movie? <laughs> uh, so we're working our way up to the top. Um, Getting close. So we're at the at our twos. Um, Terrible twos. Tremendous twos. I'm going to go into a different direction. So my last one was Atomic Blonde. I love it for being a single take and being like uh, just very, very precise. Um, mm-hmm. But this next one is uh, all style. Uh, okay. It's the Blood Rave from Blade. Um, Ooh. 
good. This is, you know, some idiot is going to a party with a girl, <laughs> and the party is, surprise, a blood rave filled <laughs> with vampires who we hate because- I hate when that happens. They're vampires. <laughs> um, they're listening to, you know, club music or whatever in, I think it's a meat market or some shit like that. Yeah. There is meat. There is an abundance of meat. Um and they're having a great grand old time and then the blood starts pouring from the ceiling and then it's just like, oh shit, fuck these vampires. They eat people for breakfast. <laughs> and then that's when uh, Blade arrives, mm-hmm. our hero, mm-hmm. our vigilante, Wesley Snipes carrying the fucking cinem- Marvel Cinematic Universe on his goddamn <laughs> black ba- back, um, mm-hmm. on his goddamn black back. And uh, yes, the Daywalker has arrived. It is pure drama club there's guns there's swords there's leather there's flips there's sounds oh my god it is such a thrill to just see this man doing his goddamn job um yes and there are cuts there's music it is uh the most fun i've ever really i've ever seen in like a fight scene in this kind of a movie because mm-hmm. my god, the Marvel fight scenes now are bloodless and boring. Yes. And like this was just like feels like a comic book. Also, like com- complete with like how the fight scene the whole sequence ends. Like mm-hmm. he like basically uh skewers uh Donald Logue, he plays a vampire, um, his hands uh and then he like does like a little yes uh, <laughs> just corny as fuck he like uh, it, it's it's great um i feel like he had the same movement coach that uh oh god what's her name the princess diary uh not anna kendrick and Anne hathaway Anne hathaway <laughs> so many ands uh, <laughs> too many ands yeah in this fight scene i feel like uh Anne Hathaway and him had the same like movement uh, <laughs> here because they both move like cart. They they both have had roles where they've moved like cartoons. That's so uh, funny. But yeah, um, I love Wesley Snipes. I think he's such a fun physical performer. It's just him hitting his marks. Um, he's so fucking good and he's so fucking funny. I mean, I think about him all the time in um. Oh shit! What's it called? The the movie, the Eddie Murphy movie that was his like comeback. Uh, a couple of years ago on Netflix. Uh, Ooh, I know. The, comedian. Do- the uh, Dolomite one. Yeah. My name yeah, is, my name is Dolomite. He's, yeah, yeah. Wesley Snipes is so fucking funny in that movie. He's so fucking like, funny. Yeah. I mean, and you know, he, he, he's, he's so impressive to me as an actor because like he can do the serious action shit, but he's also a great comedian. He's it's hysterical. Like, how many stars do we have right now who can actually do that? You know, we don't have nobody. No, when we get comedies with like action stars who are not funny at all. Oh my god, <laughs> it's depressing. <laughs> it, it really is. The Rock is not funny. God, The Rock is Wesley not... Snipes is funny. Oh, god, <laughs> yeah, oh, it's tough. It's tough. All right. Well, I went in a very different direction for my yes. number two. Um, <laughs> so after that very, uh, very fun choice, mine is a bit of a downer. <laughs> so. Have you ever seen the film Rocco and His Brothers from 1960, directed by Luchino Visconti? No, but give me the lowdown on what this is. So Visconti is one of my favorite directors. Um, 
And Rocco and his brothers is a movie about like a, a poor Italian family who like lives in the countryside and then moves to Milan. Yeah. The big city. And, uh, you know, all of the, most of the brothers like kind of like fall into, you know, disarray and degeneracy but like Rocco played by Alain Delon who you know was famously uh now a fascist but used to be one of the most like beautiful men ever in movies yeah um (laughs) um, plays like the pure of heart Rocco um and like multiple brothers in this movie fall in love with this sex worker played by the amazing Annie Giardot um but yeah so there is uh an amazing scene near the end where um, it's like intercut between a a fight, like a championship fight that uh, Rocco is fighting because even though he doesn't really like boxing, he becomes this like very successful boxer because he wants to support his family. Right. And his sort of like degenerate brother uh, who used to be a boxer and then, you know, becomes like alcoholic and, you know, just kind of his life falls apart. Um you know, he stops boxing, but that, you know, they're all in love with this same woman. Um, so it's intercut between this big match and the brother murdering Annie Girardot's character. Um, in one of the most like truly brutal death scenes I've ever seen on film. Like, you know, I, I know that our listeners know that, you know, older films can be just as, uh, brutal and, horrifying as anything yes. that you know we make now oh, but of course. there there is like a weird i think because uh you know some people who maybe don't watch older films like are only exposed to like it's a wonderful life which is also you know very dark but right. um maybe think that you know things are like sanitized in older films and obviously that's not the case in this movie like you don't see a lot of blood and gore but i mean you see this man like stab this woman multiple times as she like crawls through the grass and like gets her body covered in like dirt and grass and is like screaming like i don't want to die as this man keeps stabbing her it's like such a visceral like realistic death scene and but it's it's like intercut between this boxing scene where you know it's both triumphant but also it's like giving a parallel of like the brutality of, of the boxing and of this murder. And uh, I think one of the like very, there are multiple boxing scenes in the film. It's almost like it's over three hours long, I think. Um, but it was a direct inspiration for Scorsese for Raging Bull. In Whoa. the way that he shot the boxing scenes in that. Um, because Visconti uses this amazing, like high contrast black and white like you see like every ripple of every muscle in these men's bodies, like you see their backs and like the ways that they move as they throw a punch and you see like the sweat, like dripping down their faces as they fight each other. And you see like the almost like animal intensity of the crowd around them. Like it'll cut between these like close-ups on their faces and then these broader shots of the crowd as they're like screaming at them. And there's like a weird sort of like, haze over everything it like it truly feels like it's beautiful but it's also like hellish so all of the all of the boxing scenes in that movie but especially the one where it intercuts the murder and and the boxing because it's just absolutely brutal oh my fucking 
God, Shelly. Michael, you, you will fucking love this movie. It's so fucking oh, good. I'm going to watch this movie, but my fucking God. I know, I, I, I think, know. Wow. I, I came up here and was like, oh, okay. Uh, Blade. <laughs> so Blade did this. Blade did this, and he had a sword. You know, it was crazy. There was guns and everything. And you come in here with this? Oh, God. So human devastation. But also, oh, I mean, God. I... Uh, also part of why I chose it is that like you know anyone who loves Raging Bull like that movie would not exist if not for Rocco and his brothers so you gotta watch it it's really fucking good you know this episode has made me realize maybe we need to do another mini-sode and we failed we failed at doing this in 30 minutes but I think we (laughs) I think we've succeeded in exploring uh, uh what uh fighting can do for a story yeah. and for a, a world that uh you know a filmmaker is trying to make us build uh believe yeah. in um but jesus christ i think i need to watch that but like after like in may maybe <laughs> um, yeah, I was gonna say, when you're not uh feeling depressed and when you've um, got uh over three hours to spare <laughs> so maybe it's maybe a bit we, of an ask <laughs> maybe we work our way into rocky by doing a mini sode on uh boxing movies I would, I would do so many boxing movies because boxing is the best sport on film. I, I love, I love, yeah. It is the best sport on film. Yeah. I a thousand percent agree with you. Not interested no in fake you football. Can see faces. Not interested in fake basketball. Um, unless there's like a fun angle. Um, but even then, I'm not interested in the game. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in the punishment or watching someone do drills, you know. No. Um, I want to see people... Uh... I want to see someone in pain. Eating the shit out of each other because they are uh, desperate. Because they have to beat. <laughs> All right, have. this is this is a good segue. I want to see people beat the shit out of people because they fucking have to. Yeah. These guys need to do this. Um, Speaking of boxing, uh, listeners, stay tuned for our upcoming episode about Barry Keegan, known boxer. Oh yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, in <laughs> A, another very famous boxing movie, um, right? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Is he in a boxing movie? No, he's, he's, no, no. I was gonna, I was gonna. Never mind. We can skip. I skip. just know he's a boxer in real life. Yeah, he is a boxer in real life. <laughs> uh, we're talking Which about I band love. and uh, yeah, yeah. It was a, well, it was, a verbal <laughs> boxing movie. Yes, Banshees of Inisherin. <laughs> it is brutal. There is a there is a certain kind of brutality about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh. Oh, Michael, uh, what is your number one? Okay, my number one is our number one. It's the the fight scene between Keith David and John Nada in uh, They Live. John uh, Nada is that his name? Roddy Piper. But the act, the character's name. Oh, John. No, I was like, what are you talking about? No, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> is, is John, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. He's I like, sometimes That's fucking Roddy, Roddy, baby. It's no, Roddy, Roddy. But like in when I was watching from the Keith movie, David to John Nada, I was like, what are we? I doing? recognize that. I saw that. I when I see that white man, I see the character of John Nada. When fair I see enough. that dude, I see Keith David, and that is fair. Keith David is always Keith David. Um, this is true. I have no relationship with Roddy Piper. Um, but I think he did a good job. Um, but I, I love that fight scene. I know you, is this also your one? Yeah. Michael's giving up the game. We had the same number one, much like same. in our, in our <laughs> dance scenes from non-musicals where we both chose fight the power from do the right thing as our number one. We also both chose they live 
the 1988 John Carpenter film, the fight scene between Rowdy Roddy and Keith David. So what I love about this movie, this fight scene so much is that one, the motivating force is uh, compassion. I don't want to say love. I want to say compassion. Yeah. Because he's trying to help his friend see the truth. Mm-hmm. And his friend doesn't want to see the truth. If and y'all know what really they... his friend, like a stranger who was just kind to him, you know? Sorry, his comrade, not his friend. Yeah. It's important to recognize that they are not fucking friends. Yeah, I mean, they... I think that like one of the like beautiful things in the movie is that like these guys don't know each other from shit. But like Keith David is like so nice to him in the beginning of the movie. He sees this like weird little drifter come by and ask for a job and he's like he does his best to help him out and so then i'm sure you know the character is like what the fuck why is this guy now like kicking my ass trying this crazy man that i like you know extended some like kindness to like oh i fucked Uh, up i shouldn't have been nice to this guy because now he's trying to fuck me up yeah oh god it yeah it it is such a uh, it's such a perfect fight scene because it goes on forever uh mm-hmm. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. um it, it goes on for such a long time and it's the same it's that same thing as like uh an atomic blonde where i was like oh god they're exhausted <laughs> yeah well that's the thing there are so many like great details in this scene like i love how dirty everything is like yeah they're fighting in the fucking... they're fighting in trash and <laughs> <In> trash <laughs> roddy piper's jeans are disgusting they are like stained and brown everywhere like there are you know moments where they're grappling on the ground and like when a body hits the ground like trash and dirt like flies <laughs> up over them <laughs> oh god and they're like grunting and uh god oh the, the part where like Keith you David bites his hand is yeah. amazing <laughs> but also to go back to the daughter interrupting in Kill Bill my what makes this like a perfect scene for me like it's it's a really long scene like they fight for a long time it's like seven minutes long it's seven minutes yeah yeah and I think the thing that makes it like a true masterpiece and, you know, people talk about the, the Lubitsch touch, which is, you know, this sort of like class and sophistication mixed with sexiness. I think there's something uh, to like the carpenter touch, which is like having horror and grittiness mixed with like a certain amount of levity. And I think that that comes in that moment where Roddy Piper breaks his car window and they both just kind of pause. And Keith Davis is like, what the fuck? And Roddy Piper just starts laughing. Like he says, I'm sorry. And then he just starts laughing because like of the absurdity of the situation and then immediately gets tackled by Keith David. And like (laughs) Then you like cuts to him like on the ground, kind of like dazed. And like, I think that that's like kind of, yeah, the carpenter thing of like, you can have this like very intense, uh, you know, dirty, grimy scene, but it's got these moments of comedy in it that like yeah. really make it human. You yeah, know? let's remember that these are just two fucking guys. Yeah. <laughs> and so much like movie stuff, like movie fight scenes, movie romance scenes, whatever, like they play like one note because that's easier to write. That's easier to direct. Um, but real human life, you have multiple emotions operating at one time. So, you know, it, it might be like, a movie convention to be like we're fighting and now we're serious and it's all gonna be serious but like in real life like if you fucking broke a guy's window like as you were fighting and the stakes were so high that it's like there are like you know aliens invading the planet or whatever like 
if that guy then freaked out because his window was broken, you would laugh. Yeah, it's funny. It's, <laughs> it's, it's so great. Um, yeah, I I love this this fight scene in context with the whole movie. I loved watching it today out of context because uh, I got to make it my own. Uh, it, it kind of feels like a, a fight with a sibling. Um, yeah. Or it's just like, I want to I want to help you and <laughs> I want you to see the truth. Uh, but oh god this motherfucker doesn't like energies against each other like Keith David is obviously like a very like skilled professional actor with this like very sort of like resonant like thespians voice and stuff and then Roddy Piper is like clearly like just a a dumb guy who happens to be in the movie yeah which which is not to diminish his performance I mean you know obviously you know as a a wrestler like you do have to have some acting skill But like part of his appeal, I think, is that he just he does seem like he could be like this kind of like, you know, grimy, like drifter who like walks up to the building site. Like you you believe it, you know? Oh, God. And having I'm, like the fate of the world placed in like that kind of guy is like so fucking funny. It's very silly. Um, <laughs> they will never make movies. They oh God, they don't do them. They don't do them like this anymore. I know. God, we always sound like, you know, old man yells at clouds, but it's true. <laughs> that's, but yeah, that's, it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, luckily we've got some people still doing stuff like that. I mean, you, you know, you get something like a nope where you've got. Oh, yeah. Normal people being the sort of uh, the heroes there. Yeah. But, but yeah, especially in like. Well, I guess I don't I mean, I don't know the exact sort of like production and distribution history of They Live, but I I would assume that this was not on par with like, uh, you know, what a lot of our big mainstream movies are no. right now. Uh, no. So, you know, you got to have the John Carpenters, the Jordan Peels, people who are, you know, making mainstream accessible movies, but that have some heart and have some, uh, you know, uh, art authorial uh identity yes um i love that a lot um i also want to watch they live again sometime maybe around thanksgiving um (laughs) that's that's when i i watched it for the first time last year the year before last year for thanksgiving and it felt so appropriate um for that time of year I also um, do think that we should do Keith David and Roddy Piper episodes because oh <laughs> they both are so good. <laughs> I I agree. I agree. Um, I'm glad that we're concluding this episode in agreement um, yes. on the best, our favorite. Yes. Fight we scene. We will not have to fight. We will not. We will not have to fight. <laughs> More importantly, we will not have to fight. Um, I don't. Honestly, I don't know how good either of us would be if I. <laughs> I don't think very good. So I, I, all right, not to brag, but I did, I did uh, get a yellow belt in Taekwondo in 2005. And I've seen a lot of uh, Rocky films. Mm, Um, I've seen like a mix of different disciplines. I've seen a lot of Rocky movies. I pick up most of my moves from Captain America movies. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, pretty yeah you know you might you might be able to scrap i'm a i'm a scrapper i'm uh i can scrap i have the hands um i will say in my heart of hearts i do believe that 
I never want to hurt anyone, but if I had to, I think I'd probably break my own hand doing it, uh, yeah. you know, throwing a punch. But yeah. but I think that I just um, am enough of like a little like trash goblin that like my, you know, lizard brain would, would take over in a situation. Yeah. And I think that I would uh, probably uh, do things that would uh, horrify me and make me question, uh, you know, my humanity for the rest of my life so god i, I wish i think about sometimes we're gonna have to return to fights because i actually <laughs> <laughs> looks like we're gonna have to end this episode on a cliffhanger yeah um because could we kill someone <laughs> could we kill someone look i've been in a i've been in a fight where i've i'm pretty sure i blacked out i was a youth oh, god. um and i wow it, it was it was a definitive moment um what a nightmare to be socialized as male. Oh, God. Truly. It was. <laughs> you uh, have my sympathies. <laughs> oh, God. It was it was no picnic. Um, Oof. But uh, yeah, that's our that's our episode. Yeah. Um, that's so our guys, episode. Uh, you know, all we got to say is even though we're not we're not covering Rocky yet, as we've said, you got to wait. We do want to say in the words of Frank Stallone, keep punching. That's a good way to end it. That's good. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com.